Welcome to the Marketing Intern Spotlight. A marketing intern is a listener who's spreading our message authentically. Hear their story, their passion, and their journey. Enjoy. Because you hit us up literally right when we released Lisa's episode. Yeah. And you're like, hey, have me on. I know, because <laughs> when I seen that, I was like, well, this is super fucking cool. <laughs> I think it was March 1st. Because I was looking back at the DMs because you gave yourself a little bio yeah, when you yeah, reached yeah. out. So I was like, all right, I got to remember the bio and then do a little my own research. And I was like, March 1st. And now it's uh, middle of September. Well, that's Look pretty cool. That. You just mm-hmm. you just stay in it. Absolutely. And it always comes back around when it's the right time. Yes. I believe that. I mm-hmm. believe in that a lot. Yeah. So let's introduce you. Okay. Khadija Cooper. Here I am. Twin Cities comic. Sex. Uh, we're not going to call you. Um, you're, are you a sex teacher? Is that yeah, how we say? Yeah, usually educator. Sex educator. Okay. Yeah, I think when people hear sex teacher, they may think I'm like teaching them. teaching intercourse. Oh yeah, mm. and you're not doing that. Just to go on the record, I'm absolutely not doing that. Okay. Yeah, we're working to like prevent pregnancy and STIs. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Hey, that's very current. <laughs> STIs. I remember back in my heyday of learning sex education. That's when we transitioned away from STDs. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Look mm-hmm. at the, look at look at us come around full circle. And uh, Andrew, it looks like you missed out on the <laughs> Yeah, I missed I missed that wave. STI is an, an infection. Yeah. Yeah. And S T D D is the Disease. Is Declan. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking I was thinking a little Declan. <laughs> well after Brochella, maybe. <laughs> Bochella, not to be confused with Brochella. We actually had women there, so not oh. to not to brag. It wasn't Bochella? No, it was Bochella. I just said not to be confused with Brochella. That's how I read it. Every time I seen it. Brochella? In my head, yeah, it just said brochella. <laughs> I didn't even read the word. I just assumed it was bra. I was like, that makes sense. That's amazing. <laughs> my think, bad. No, but that needs to happen. Well, I'm excited for that. <laughs> just, that and I'm also illiterate, so there's that. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's. I mean, I, I mean, we've we've got to know you a little bit. Like we were talking, you you hit us up back in March after we had Lisa Evanson on, I phenomenal did. Twin Cities comic, and Absolutely. I've gotten to know you a little bit through just being in the scene. Mm-hmm. You've obviously gone far more than I have. I've only been about once or twice a week, and you were just talking off air five times a week in the in the open mic scene for a yeah, while. Yeah, I was. Um, when I started doing comedy, it was just really important that people knew I was here, and I wanted to make like a big like impression and the only way that I could see doing that was like hitting up all the open mics in the that I could and I did that and that just helped me get booked and then it just kind of you know snowballed from there snowballed from there yeah it's freaking awesome Uh um so kind of going backwards a little bit um you where'd you grow up again you said I grew up in the Twin Cities in in Crystal like a suburb okay cool And then how did you kind of find this path into sex education, comedy, everything that you're doing right now? Yeah. Uh, let's start with comedy. Maybe, yes. Because that one goes a little back further. Um, the sto- So when I was eight years old, my mom brought me to a place called Pepito's, which isn't around anymore. It was like a Mexican restaurant. And she did open mics there. And so my mom was doing stand-up comedy as I'm in the back eating, like, chips and salsa at, like, eight years old. So I would see people who are still around today, Tiffany Norton and Shelley, or Miss Shannon Paul, and, like, all these people who've been around forever doing comedy. And to me, I was like, oh, my God, my mom is famous. Like, that's what it really felt like. And then I was also like, this guy's throwing up next to me. Like, should I be here at eight years old? There was, like, also that, too. Like, <laughs> somebody helped me, but nobody did. 
Uh, so my mom had done comedy for like 25 years, like pretty strong. And within that time, me and my mom also had a cable access show. It was called the Casey and CC show. It was just me and my mom. It aired on like Sunday mornings right before like the highlights of the local football team. And it was just me and my mom and like the cable access studio being stupid. And I knew that it was something that I always wanted to do. And I just kind of like put it off because of like fear and insecurity and like I'm never gonna be as funny as my mom and all of these things and I had a baby and I had this career that I was like kind of getting up and running and then was your mom the kind of the the instigator with that show or were you guys kind of like tag team in it it was like very disorganized it was like me my mom two cameras like Saturday morning donuts and we just like danced and did silly stuff but my mom tried to keep it structured I was like I don't I don't want it to be structured. Let's just let's just be silly. And it like aired. I don't know why they aired it, but they did. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so, what was kind of your family dynamic growing up? Was it just you and your mom, or how many? Yeah. It was really? yeah. It was just me and my mom, and I have like a really great network family um, that don't live in Minnesota, but it was really important that I spent a lot of time with them in the summer. So I would spend a lot of time with my grandmother in South Carolina and in DC because my mom's originally from New York. So my mom transplanted to Minneapolis, but everyone else was still kind of on the East coast and in the South. Um, the dynamic between me and my mom, my mom is so like, if I, listed my mom on a piece of paper nobody would say like this is the same person like my mom rides a motorcycle like a huge one she works in corporate america she does comedy that's like very adult like kind of dirty comedy there's nothing like seeing your mom like rubber tits on stage and saying she's a whore that just puts things to perspective (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) like (laughs) what was the first time you were like when you were eight was she telling those kinds of jokes yeah she has a joke that she still tells now i'm gonna tell it it doesn't matter but um it talks about her ex-husband being impotent and like people say you are what you eat and um so she started putting yeast in the milk and like i didn't really understand those jokes or like she has another joke like oh you are what you eat so i should have known when he was eating nothing raisin honey and i was like i love raisin bran like that doesn't make any sense to me but now like when i was an adult i was like my mom was telling dick jokes in front of me (laughs) you know but and so and my mom like loves country music but there's something that was so embarrassing about that growing up that i appreciate now because no matter what my mom was always exactly who she is and she didn't care like she didn't care what people thought she didn't care about people's opinion like she did what made her happy and she still does so that was like such a great lesson to learn um that i always like have held with me and i think it's really helped me like navigate this comedy career as you know it's it can feel like kind of like am i good enough am i funny nobody laughed is it me and you know the best thing my mom told me is like what people think about you is none of your business like that's on them that's incredible i mean your mom is truly herself to the fullest which is awesome (laughs) as a daughter just to see that and be like all right i can be myself and she's gonna love me for that because i'm trying to be myself all the time yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it was cool too is uh like it's really interesting that you had a mom grow up in comedy like that's Mm. so unique but yet um you didn't even get into the industry until much later on so in between those years from when you started how long ago you said uh i started doing comedy yeah uh february 2018 awesome that's freaking sweet so from there and then i mean 
in those kind of gap years before be between there i mean you you said you had thoughts of doing stand-up be between before mm-hmm. there but it was more like you were hesitant about it and whatnot yeah what was kind of the hesitation or the root cause of that that kind of hesitation to get up and go yeah uh i got knocked up that was first and foremost yeah like i had a baby uh and then i was like kind of like kind of like a wild child before i had my daughter and then like once i got pregnant i was like well i gotta figure out my life like (laughs) i like i can't be bartending in like a shot girl forever you know what i mean like that's that's not for me uh so i decided to go to school got a degree in human services thought i was gonna be a probation officer and work in youth corrections and then i was like hell no like I can't like that's not for me and then I found sex education and sexual health and I was like this is it this is me like my mom telling dick jokes all those years like this is what I'm supposed to be doing no way. <laughs> and that's what and that's what I'm doing now so you said you found it what does that mean you just you just fell into it and you're just like all right I'm teaching sex yeah I'm that's, educating yeah <laughs> yeah teaching sex too <laughs> I just fell into it. That's that's how I'm gonna tell people how I got into it. How'd you get into it? Fell into me. <laughs> fell right into me. Right inside of me. Oh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um No, I so I needed an internship for school and I knew about the annex because I had grown up in that area and you know, I'd known people that used their services back in the day. So I went in and got the internship and I was like well, this place is cool. Like, it's just, like, really awesome, like, teaching young kids about sex and being able to say penis multiple times a day and not get in trouble for it. I'm like, this is for me. So after I got an internship, like, a part-time position became available, and then that person left, and then a full-time position became available, and I was like, well, here we are. Wow, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So does your um, sex education, being able to say dicks all like penis all the time, uh, does that translate well to comedy, making new bits and whatnot? Absolutely. God, I Absolutely. Can I mean, it's almost unfair. <laughs> I think you know. I think it's almost unfair the fact that I get to do what I do every day and can write jokes about it and go on stage and share it, and also. It's also for me a form of social justice for me, right? Mm. Because I also get to talk about like female pleasure, which is something that's really important to me and like talking about it because I think in my experience teaching, it's not hard for males to like be like, oh, I'm masturbator. Like, how much? Like, they are always wanting to know how much masturbating is too much. They're always like, I'm on the cusp. They're always like, I think I'm on the cusp of too much. You know what I mean? Do I have an addiction? Yeah, they always want to know that. But like, you, I don't necessarily get those same questions from girls, right? And it's just as important, or can be just as pleasurable. So it's like this taboo thing. So I also get to use it as this form of like kind of silly but like kind of important to me social justice to be like yeah girls get in there flick that i don't know whatever you know whatever people want to do yeah absolutely <laughs> um flick that click can i say that yeah you yes. can say cool, thank you. anything on the back pocket oh, okay cool yeah awesome. this is an open book here i love that. um and we don't cut anything either i just wanted to put that out there we're very very transparent i love that yeah. me too good uh, as we all should be, you know, we try to be. Yeah, right. I think radically right. transparent. Yeah, I think something I've written on my whiteboard. I'm yeah. trying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good mantra. Yeah. Radically transparent. Mm-hmm. It's it's an everyday battle. Yeah. Some things I don't want to share. <laughs> That's okay though. Being yeah. transparent and like having a sense of privacy are two very different things. Sure. That's a great point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I want to know is speaking of like transparency, when you're teaching 
um, sex education to, you know, how old are, what's like that age range that you teach? Uh, fourth grade to first, second year college. Wow. Yeah. Fourth graders? Yeah. If we're, they're the sweetest because when we come in, it's more like your body's going to change mm. and like things are going to happen and you're not going to know or, you know, like things um, really getting them prepared for puberty or talking about puberty. Um, that's the extent. Everything we do is like age appropriate. It's not sure. like I'm going in there like, hey, fourth graders come. You know, it's not like <laughs> it's not like that. Um, sure. But they're sweet because I think for some of them, they're like starting to experience these things or like, you know, morning wood and wet dreams and things like that. And they're like, I don't know what's happening to my body. And and to have someone come in and be like, that's normal. Your body's growing and changing. They're like, yes. I swear this one time I went to the school and they divided the girls and the boys up. Which is not best practice, but, you know. That's how it was for me in fifth yeah. grade. We divided so it up. Yeah. We, we prefer to have everyone together for a number of reasons. One, because it's nice to kind of demonstrate that, look, we can have these conversations together. It's not something that has to be secret between the two. And then everyone's getting the same information at the same time. So um, it can kind of feel like normalizing it, right? But if you separate them, be like, you're going to learn boy stuff about your body. You're going to learn girl stuff about your body. But at the end of the day, the fact that we get to go in there, like I'm excited about. Right. Mm -hmm. So I go in there and I'm with the boys and I'm like, okay, like puberty is going to happen. Sometimes you can even get an erection out of nowhere. And that doesn't mean you're thinking about a crush or anything sexy. All of a sudden, a little boy just raises his hand really slow. He was like, um, one time I got an erection, I was in the shower and I was like, that's cool. That happens. And then it was like a tidal wave. I swear to God. And this boy was like, I got an erection sitting next to my sister. I was like, hell no. I was like, whoa, okay. Time, time out, little ghetto kids. Stop it. You know, it was just like, boom, boom. I got an erection on the bus. I got an erection. I was reading my dinosaur book. I'm like, all right, cool. It was like. Um, and you have to you have to be up there like try to keep your calm. You can't yeah, start laughing at no. him. No. Yeah. I'm, I'm just like. How okay. do you keep your cool? Um, It's so normal to me. Me, it's not even like it's funnier talking to it about to adults than it is to kids to a bunch of <laughs> yeah. white guys who yeah. <laughs> don't go through sex education yeah, yeah. i've yeah. died over here yeah <laughs> mm. yeah like like the kids didn't even react like that they were like oh my god i can't wait to tell it's my turn i'll tell when i got an erection i'm just like cool yeah your body's it's normal that's a good icebreaker yeah let's have every kid go around the room raise their hand of the of a time they got an erection that yeah like, erections are normal yeah that's so funny because when i was single and i told guys what i did that's how they introduced themselves like hi this is when i had an erection last like it's very confusing to grown men what i do when i was single Mm -hmm. you get two responses one is like oh that's really great like good like you're doing great work and the other one's like well uh, can you teach me something can you do that and i'm like listen if i had a nickel for everybody that wanted me to put my hair in a bow and like do this whole fantasy thing and be a rich lady. Like, it's not that. Like, <laughs> what I do is not sexy at all. Is That's there awesome. an age group or a grade that when uh, you get, like, hired out to go to, you're just like, oh, boy, we're in for a treat. This is always every time I'm uh, – Is it? Like, I feel like, like, sixth and seventh graders are just kind of – Yeah, it's the middle schoolers mm-hmm. and the eighth graders because they eighth think grade. they know everything – but yet they're still very curious, you know? Yeah, they really don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. and but, and, you know, in middle school, there's, like, there's 
this thing that's happening when people are like really self-conscious about themselves and so they like kind of like puff up their chest a little bit to like not have the other person know that they don't know things or just to be like and so there's a lot of that that happens in middle school like especially with anonymous questions that's where the pussy stain question came from yep and if you guys all if you want to see that joke you can head on over to Khadija's uh instagram handle which is at k cooper comedy there we go Perfect. yeah mm-hmm. um that's when you get the most uh questions about like is masturbating too much okay like how to make a girl squirt like they really want these like like how to things i think it comes from porn right like yeah. they're watching yeah, yeah. porn and they're like whoa i gotta make sure i know how to make somebody do that um so there's a lot of questions about x and like how to and like mm. Yeah. Because they can't YouTube that. They're not going to get good answers. They're not going to get good answers. Or, like, how big should my penis be? Or, like, will my penis get bigger? Or, like, when will I get boobs? Mm. Yeah. A lot of those kind of questions. That makes sense. Anonymous yeah. questions. That just opens up the floodgates to everything. It does, but it's the best. Sure. It's my favorite. And then, like, in high school, the questions just get, like, really real. Like, I don't protect the sex on Saturday. What should I do? Get plan B, like, if you don't want to pregnant. You know, like, mm-hmm. they're just, like, very real. Like, this, like we're in it. We're in relationships. It's getting rough. Or we're in relationships and, like, I'm doing things. Like, it. so sometimes in high school it's more, it can be more, like, sad. Like, don't write this anonymously. Like, I want to talk to the person who wrote this, right? It's right. really important. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned porn earlier. Yeah, let's go back to that. Yeah, let's just dive right in the <laughs> porn bucket. Um, <laughs> I want to know your thoughts on almost just the industry in general and how it's affected sex culture mm. and relationships in general. Because yeah. I've read a lot yeah. saying it's just very, very harmful, but I'd love to hear your perspective on it. Yeah, so I'll start with a positive perspective on porn because I also, like working in sex ed, it's a lot of like sex can be, or porn can be bad. It gives like people unrealistic body issues. It get, Like we know all this stuff, right? But here's some things that could be really positive about porn when people like understand and are mindful about it. One, porn can really um, allow a couple to explore each other in ways that maybe they're not comfortable saying, right? You can kind of be like, here, let's watch this and like that. You know what I mean? It kind of can open that up a little bit. It can also um, spark fantasies inside of people that maybe they didn't know that they had that they wanted to try. Um, I think it also can be informative about things that they don't want to try. If you watch something and it gives you like a physical, visceral reaction, then like you know that that's something you don't want to try. And if a partner tries to ask you to do that or maybe wants to try that, then you already know your boundaries and saying no. I think when we think about porn in that way, it can actually bring couples together. Now, when I'm saying that, I'm really talking about adult couples, not like youth like a it can seventh break. graders yeah <laughs> listen seventh graders just watch a good squirt video and you'll just come right together no that's not what i'm saying but like for adults it can bring them closer together in like that physical intimacy that maybe they haven't like experienced or had before right because everyone's coming with their own sexual history and their own sexual experience and sometimes mm-hmm. porn can really help like brighten that up a little bit or shake it up or spice it up sure per se yeah but then on the flip side in terms of you know seventh graders getting their heads on porn and probably even earlier nowadays with phones Ten and everything. Ten is the average age. Ten? Mm-hmm. That's, oh. that's fifth, fifth grade. grade. Yep. Fifth grade. But usually when a 10th grade or a 10 year old finds it, it's on accident. Yeah. Right? They're like looking for something else that like sounds sexual and then all of a sudden they're like boobs on my screen. Well, since I'm here, might as well, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Click, click, click. Yeah, they click So funnel. usually when they find it, it's 
on accident. Yeah, that makes sense. And then, um, but I don't know how that happened. That's what statistics. I don't know. I've never like accidentally had porn. I've never. I've googled some shit, and I've never accidentally like popped a porn. Has never accidentally. Yeah, what out. words would like trigger? I don't know. Penis? I don't know. No, no, no. But it would have to be like covered a little bit. <laughs> In terms of like what the word is, you know, like could be they could be bad at spelling and they spell come wrong. And uh, I was gonna, I was thinking like corn huskers could be porn huskers very fast. (laughs) You know, it it takes one slip, it takes one typo to to find porn. One typo, that's true. Oh man, you're you will will always be one typo away from a dick pic. Mm. Let that. Well. One open text away from a dick pic as well. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh my god. Let's be honest. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> so you mentioned um, ten years old is when they find, or is like a t- is like a typical age for it's finding average, porn. Yeah. Average. What about um, losing your virginity? What is that stat nowadays? I don't know, but statistics say that m- more young people are waiting to have sex. They're having sex mm. later, and by the time someone is in high school, a senior. Only about 50% of those people have been sexually active, statistically. People Hmm. don't believe that, but, you know, I think think what happens that people don't know is that when you talk about things and when you provide information, it, like, really lends itself for kids not to want to do it. So we also do parent education, and it's called, like, parents as the number one sexuality educator for their kids because... We don't talk about values. We don't. We might do an activity, get kids to understand what their values are, but we're not saying any of our own values, right? Um, that's not our place. That's for the parents to do. And when we have these parent workshops, we really tell them the more you talk about it, the less likely your child is to like engage in sex early. And if they do engage in sex early, they'll actually like be safer. So they might use a condom or be preventing pregnancy. Um, and I think. We, there's a lot of parents that still have that idea of like, oh, if we talk about it, they're going to do it, right? And that's actually the opposite. Mm. So we're trying to encourage parents. And, you know, we have this model of like early and often. It's not like this one conversation, like you have the talk and then it's done. It's like we're having these little conversations and building over time because you're laying a foundation. So when something happens and your kid needs to like talk to you about something sensitive, like you're their person, you're their go-to person, right? right? And if maybe you're not their go-to person that you... Make sure that they know who they can go to, right? Because I have a 15-year-old daughter. That doesn't mean that she's going to want to talk to me about stuff, even though she's been around this um, industry for the last 10 years, right? She's been yeah. around sex ed since she's been five years old. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask that question. Yeah. It, it, does she does, is she get kind of put off by that, or is it kind of just like, uh, my mom's a, a sex educator? She's she's so well-adjusted, I had to do a DNA test. I was like, do you belong to me? What's happening? Like, she... <laughs> Is but she also went to a school that got multiple of our programs. She's I've always had her really involved in things and leadership things. This is something that's really important to me. So, but when it comes to like sex ed and stuff, she's always just like, "Mom, you go way too far." <laughs> but you know, she has a good handle on it because she's watching these shows that are like very graphic. And I don't really, for me, I don't censor her TV at all. Because, like, she has it in her room. She's going to watch what she wants to watch. She has a laptop. She has access to it. I'd rather know about it. But she was watching the show Euphoria. Oh. Yep. oh. Ty, Listen Ty. Ty told me to watch the show. I introduced him to it. And I watched episode Listen. one, and I was frightened. Dicks. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. There's a lot of, like, I was like, oh, and I was like, okay, let me watch this show just to know what she's watching. And I was like, oh. <laughs> 
I mean, it was like front dicks. But also, I'm really glad that TV's finally putting dicks on TV because mm. we've been seeing boobs forever, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, finally put some dicks out there. Free the dick. Free the dick. Oh, yep. God. I'm gonna get a T-shirt that says "Free the dick." <laughs> <laughs> that show is wild just because so, high school is not like that at all. I, I, mean, I, I, I gotta, I gotta think. It's, it's probably a little like that. Okay. Sorry, I mean, sorry. I, it, what Andrew should have said is Andrew's high school experience was not like that show. Oh, okay. And neither was mine. Yeah, I me went, too. Yeah. I went to an all boys <laughs> Catholic <laughs> high school. Okay. And there there okay. were girls on the same campus. Yeah. But. Let's just mention that it was just like oh, pretty well, much a big old frat party for four years. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I think high schools they can be like that because I'm not that tall. So when I'm walking the hallways, sometimes I blend a little bit. Mm. Like, and they don't. When I'm walking in these schools, they don't know me as a teacher. They don't know me as an adult. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm um, not saying that I look like a teenager, but I blend. You know, these kids are fucking huge, and the things that I'm hearing them say and like. I just had to look back at a couple of them like, oh, my gosh. And, like, they're touching each other. I mean, it's a lot. Now, I don't know if it's going as far as them, but I know, like, domestic violence is happening. Mm. Um, sexual assault is happening. Drugs is happening. Um, all those things. Mm-hmm. And with that, do you find yourself having to talk to parents frequently about helping them talk to their kids? Is that, like, part of your your job description at all or you don't mm-hmm. have necessarily where have you work? been didn't you hear me say that we do parent education yeah parent oh. education and where, where, where I, are you I, I miss that <laughs> no i'm just yeah. kidding we do yeah okay. which is i think it's really great because we only talk to parents that have middle schoolers and high schoolers i think we do a really great job especially in minnesota supporting people who have young kids like before kindergarten like ecfe classes early childhood family education mm. um but after that, we're like, good luck in middle school. And that's when you need it the most. That's when you need the support the most because your kid just turns into a monster. Like, <laughs> they just turn into this, like, gross, like, kind of hairy, sweaty, pimply, yeah, smelly. like, stinky thing that you're like, who are you? And their body hurts. And they're like, I don't know how to move my body. Like, my daughter's 5'8". When she was growing, she, like, didn't know how to move her body. I was like, are you a baby giraffe? Get yourself together. What's happening? She's like, I don't know what's happening to my body. Um, She just grew very fast. And I think it's really good for parents to come together and be like, oh, your kid's doing this, so is my kid. And for us to talk about development, I will say the best parenting information that I ever have gotten is knowing development youth development and like what their brain is actually going through and understanding the steps in the process of that that has helped me be a better parent hands down because it stopped will stop me from punching her honestly like it stopped me from yeah. giving her oh, a two she's piece. developing yeah, yeah like, so i don't want to break that development yeah because yeah. yeah, i almost <laughs> broke her nose a couple of times like put your hands down khadijah it's fine yeah and i think parents like also kind of get that aha moment where it's like oh developmentally this is what they're supposed to be going through. And I say, if you were to look at a young person's brain when they're going through puberty and in adolescence, you would cry. Like, it is it is so scary to, like, know the things that their brain is doing and, like, detaching information that they don't need anymore, right? Like, like, like when you're Ugh. a baby, like, how you feed yourself, like, in adolescence, those, like, like though like learn skills are like detaching not that you forget how to but your brain is like oh i don't need to hold on to that anymore right i have to start thinking like critically and like everything's not black and white because nuance doesn't start happening until like 16 
right? Because everything for an adolescent in middle school is black and white. Like, it's like, yes or no, they can't see those nuances. And young people going through uh, puberty and in their adolescence, they have a need to take risks, right? So as parents, if I'm like, your child has a need to take risks that they don't even understand, and it's your job to provide them with healthy risks to feed that need so that they're not going off left or go, okay, you all right? You're like, this you okay? This is like exactly what my parents did. <laughs> <laughs> your parents are very smart, right? They yeah. knew exactly what they were doing. Um, wow. Yeah. I'm part of a whole operation. You, Yeah, you are. What, what are you telling parents? So you talked about like early and often like sex education, maybe it's like yeah. more developmental. Yeah. Like, are parents supposed to go up to their kids and be like, had any sex lately? Or like, what are the birds and the bees talk? Yeah. Well, yeah. it's not the birds and the bees talk. Cause like, it's beyond that's, tra- that. that's traditionally like it happens once and mm-hmm. then you never talk about it again. Yeah. So, like what are those ongoing conversations? Yeah. Look like? Yeah. So when we talk, so we use this approach and it's really written for people who are parenting from zero years old to 18 years old. So really like before five years old, you're really like naming body parts for what they are. Right. We talk about it being also like a safety thing, not to call like like a girl's vulva her flower. Right. Because there's this urban legend that like something's happening to a little girl and she's telling the teacher like someone's touching my flower and they're like, oh, it's okay. But actually she's getting like sexually assaulted right oh, because geez. she doesn't have the words for it's an urban myth yeah. urban myth but we can see how this could maybe happen right because we all come up with cute little names for our kids body parts but it's actually really important to start that conversation really early because we don't call our eyes like blinky things we call them eyes right so we should be calling our you know our genitals the by their proper name our vulva our penis our you know it's really important. So that's kind of like the early. When you're talking about in middle school, I really like to say use these teachable moments because it is these little, like, moments where you get to, like, plant your seed. <laughs> no pun intended. But, like, you know, in so, like, let's say you see a TV show and you see someone kiss. You get to have a little conversation with your kid about that. Like, oh, do you think it's appropriate for, like, teenagers to be kissing? Like, I think, you know, like, it's really good to, like, put those little like seats so it's not like this one conversation or if something happens and you're like oh someone's getting married you can have a conversation about that right because I really think what parents could maybe think about doing is not having a conversation so much about sex like preventing pregnancy and STIs is important but also like how to navigate relationships because that's what we're not talking about a lot with our kids and I think that's the part that's getting kids like really tripped up is like how Mm -hmm. to have relationships especially with social media and like that's a whole new thing and parents my age and older we don't we didn't have that we don't know how to net. Like, if I want to show someone my boobs, I had to go to their house, pull my shirt down, and, like, have some fucking balls about it. You know what I mean? Like, I couldn't, I couldn't just be like, oh, no face, just boobs. You know, like, I had to, I had, to, go, I had to do it. I had to sack up. I, yeah. I had to, like, be like, here we go. Like, flashing is not a thing anymore because you don't have to do it. Like, when's the last time you ever heard about somebody getting mooned? Never. They'll just take a picture of it and send it to you. It's like, yeah. that's. Should we bring <laughs> it back? Uh, yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah, I think we need to bring it back. That is crazy. So how are you um, integrating – are you integrating social media or anything as part of your relationship teaching to kids? Or are you kind of uh, removed from it enough to not really have a stake in it? No, you can't. You, you have to integrate it. It has okay. to be – like – We'd be doing a disservice if we yeah. didn't talk about it. It'd be the white elephant in the room. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So we talk about 
what are like the laws and the legality of it yeah um because i think it's really surprising to know and like very seldom does it ever get to this point but like something that could actually happen is like if a young person is sexting and they're sending sexually suggestive suggestive pictures whatever that means whoever the judge or the attorneys are looking at it they get to decide that um whoever pays that phone bill owns that phone so they could be charged with child pornography so like people so basically to say like young people's parents could be charged with like pornography because it's technically their fault right which is extreme which probably would never happen it doesn't happen very often but it is in the law that it could whoa and that probably helps parents like if if parent more parents knew that they would be a, lot, a little bit more aware of the sexing scandals out yeah. there. Yeah. Our seventh, in seventh grade, there was like a, uh, a couple, I don't even know what you call them in seventh grade, but they got caught with uh, nudes. And mm. it was it was uh, it was quite the scene. Yeah. I mean, it, some <laughs> negative things happened. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was like yeah. people were about to get charged and right. see jail. I don't know who was jail time, but it was something b- bad. Yeah, I'm sure. And like when we talk to young people about it, they don't care about that. They're like, no, it's not going to happen to me. But then when we talk about like what are some of the like social consequences that can happen? What are some of the relational consequences that can happen? That makes it more real for them, right? Because again, in their adolescence, their friendship groups and their friends all of a sudden become the most important person to them. That's why they always detach, kind of start detaching from their parents when their parents were like their like most important person. They're like, I don't like you no more. My friends are so important to me. Developmentally, that's normal. So talking to them about, like, what some of those outcomes and consequences can be can kind of hit home to, like, really, like, maybe change behavior or get young people to stop and think. Because that's what we really have to do. We have to tell young people, you need to slow it down. You don't have the capacity developmentally right now in your brain to think about the consequences in the future. You just don't. You're here and now, you're today, nothing bad's going to happen, it's fine. You don't have the capacity to think about like, oh, like somebody could take a picture, even though it's on Snapchat, somebody else could be with them and take a picture of their Snapchat and then it's on their phone and they send it back to me and they say, they don't have, they they can't even think about that. Mm -hmm. So telling young kids like you need to take 25 seconds, 30 seconds to stop and think about what you're doing and what could happen could really like save someone from... You know, a sexting scandal. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I had uh, a razor in seventh grade. It was razor phone and sidekick, and I was like, as you're talking through that story, I was like thinking back of like how the pictures got in around the whole school, and it it was like the razor phone where flip phone and all that stuff, and I mean, no Snapchat yet until junior year of high school and then that whole bit then that changed the game that changed the game forever see i was like on myspace like Mm -hmm. in my early 20s yeah you know like Mm -hmm. we just didn't have it right right. i just i don't i you couldn't pay me a bajillion dollars to be a teenager today hail to the no yeah (laughs) exhausting it's exhausting it's it's a it is yeah exhausting is the perfect word i have two uh younger sisters that are both in high school right now one's Mm. a senior one's a sophomore and, you know, I always will like tell them like, hey, just like keep me in the loop. Like if anything's going on, just like I want I like not that I want to hear about it, but just, you know, like let me know uh, if you're ever having troubles. And it's so interesting, like the additional social like anxiety that these girls are getting from just like Snapchat. Like yeah. if their friends don't snap them back after a certain amount of time. it's Yeah you think you assume the worst. I yeah. mean, we all do that all the time anyways. Yes. But 
Oh, it blows my mind. I, I think the, the idea of, you know, like waiting 25 seconds or thinking about something for 30 seconds before you do it. I feel like that's a good rule of thumb for like all life. Yeah. Like, like, I was like, like I, right like, now. <laughs> I was like, I could, I could use a little bit of that in my life. Not that I'm sending dick pics, but like yeah. I could, you I could, could think before you speak. I could think before I speak. I think it'd be like a good practice for me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, anyways, speaking of uh, thinking before you speak comedy. Yeah. Um, I really want to know, um, because I've been, I haven't been in the scene very long as I'm probably 10 months in. Oh my God. And, uh, I know it's crazy. And, uh, I've noticed, like, I appreciate and respect the comics that go above and beyond with their the vulgarity of their jokes. Mm-hmm. And I know you're one of them, and I want to tap into Thank that mindset. You. I want to tap into that mindset because when you're at a at a comedy store or something, and it's like a a crowd that maybe doesn't respond to that, how do mm-hmm. you respond? Do you just triple down and keep going, or like, what is the mindset of a comic that tells absurdly vulgar jokes? I don't know. I think for me, if I do a joke and I know like th- this joke usually lands and it doesn't, I just thought it's like, this is about y'all. Mm-hmm. Like what's yeah. wrong with y'all? Yeah. Like, especially like when I get into like the sex stuff, I'm yeah. like, Oh, I get it. Nobody's like, you know what I mean? Like I just talk shit about the audience a little bit, like in a fun way. Yeah. yeah. Um, But I also think like, who I am on stage is who I am in real life. Like <clears throat> I had, um, I did a show at the house of comedy and it was just like the best, like phenomenal week that I ever had in comedy. Like I got to open up for Trevor Wallace and it was like six sold out shows. This kid is like ridiculous. And I had someone come who I hadn't seen for a while. Someone I went to college with and she was like, that is exactly how you are. I was like, that's Khadija. That was the best. Cause I don't want anyone to be like, well, this girl's like extra. Like that's how I really am in real life. Like I'm extra. And I think me being like bubbly and kind of like a kind of theatrical and dramatic on stage is very different from like how most comics do comedy. Right. Most comics are like, even if you're the you're saying the funniest things they just don't like they don't move i'm i'm just like who put your glue on the bottom of your shoe to the floor like and i think also that a little bit maybe helps people to like kind of relax a little bit Mm -hmm. but like if i go somewhere and i have a set plan i'm always watching the audience i'm rarely paying too much attention to the comics honestly i'm watching the audience and how they're reacting what they're reacting to what they're not reacting to who's in the audience what the age range is because i have jokes i'm 37 years old i have jokes for 15 year olds and i got jokes for 90 year olds right mm-hmm. <coughs> excuse me so even if i go to a show and i'm like this is my set i'll look at the audience and be like oh i'm gonna do all this different stuff because that's mm. you know what i mean so yeah and that probably lends itself because i'm teaching in front of a classroom all the time i'm doing like i you know speak at conferences and do all these other things to be able to read the room is like an underlying skill that i think a lot of comics have but like some don't that could real they could really use that skill mm-hmm. sounds like something i could use okay <laughs> definitely something i can use because i there, I always kind of toe this line between, you know, if if it's an open mic, that's just a bunch. It's like 20 comics in a room. Yeah. Like that is so much of a different room than yeah. it, if you were going to Acme or something where you oh, have yeah. like a legitimate crowd. Yeah. So when I'm like preparing for these shows or whatever and I'm hitting open mics every night, um, 
sometimes I like, there's part of me where I'm just like, Oh, these 20 same guys are here. I want to like put on a show for them. I like, I want to make them laugh. But in Mm -hmm. the back of my mind, I'm like, who cares about like making up new material just for their pleasure? Like Mm -hmm. they don't give a shit. Like, yeah. Practice, Not for the comics. Practice, practice your stuff. Get better at yeah. your material so that you can make the people who've never seen you laugh. <coughs> yeah. So that is something like I, I probably learned the hard way for a while where I was just like writing new material that I, on my way to like an open mic that I thought was funny. Mm-hmm. And then maybe that would stick. But then I started to realize like if you just commit to one sort of joke or something for a specific crowd. Yeah. That's when it pays dividends yeah but i think it's good too if you're writing jokes on the way to an open mic that's where you're supposed to try that stuff that's where you're supposed to just like say it into the mic like i did a show yesterday it wasn't an open mic but there was like four people there and i was like well i'm not doing all my good stuff i'm gonna do my new stuff right because then that's gonna that then in my mind i'm like oh then i don't have to go open mic one night this week and that's extra time i can be home it's like this is about me, like, right now. This, is, this ain't even about y'all no more. Like, I want, I need to say these jokes in front of people on a stage and, like, get it out there once, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Being able to read the room, and I, I applaud you for, like, being uh, excited about having that uh, attribute because it's huge. We went and saw uh, Joe Rogan on the 14th. How was that? So good. good. Was it? Yeah. I always hear mixed feelings about him. So we're Joe Rogan like. Okay. Uh, Disciples. Right. Disciples. Yeah, we listened to his podcast okay. for the past like five, six years and that was yeah. one of the reasons why we started this. But his opener, Ian Edwards, he crushed it and he had this one bit with uh, reading the room perfectly. He asked the person right in front of him uh, when he lost his virginity <laughs> and he goes, I don't know. And then Ian goes, what do you mean you don't know? You should know your name and when you lost your virginity. (laughs) That's it. That's all you need to know. Your name is Joe and it's 18 or something like that. And he riffed it and you could tell like that might have happened to him like once or twice in the past. And he had like a dud room and he was able to pick that joke. And I was like blown away sitting in like row 400 just laughing my ass off. Imagine the guy in the front row sweating like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, crowd work crowd work can go really good or really bad yeah because like i also don't this is gonna sound silly i don't have a opener and i don't have a closer like joke isn't that wild and i envy people that have like really good strong openers and like a really great way to end their sets i don't i usually when i start a show it's usually like i'm saying something about that show or um just like the I think I don't like who, piggybacking off the yeah or like piggybacking or like uh, riffing off of like what the other person said like if yeah. I do a show I did stand up science which was really really fun uh, Shane Moss he's like this really cool like guy that does stand up comedy but he brings scientists to his shows mm. and I was like well I don't have a good op-. and so it's like two scientists saying this brilliant stuff about their research and all these things right and then he just has a comment come like not to do anything like just to do comedy um and then when I went up I like made a joke about like I was like oh this is like Scientology and I like didn't I just you know what I mean like I just I don't know what you, you were call Khadija. It. I was I was just Khadija and I was just like, hey, like this is it. And I was the only black person in the room, so it felt good to be the one person. That was my opener. Mm. But I couldn't have wrote that. I just had to be there. Yeah, yep. absolutely. <laughs> so I actually want to touch on that. So um Black people? Exactly, dude. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was but... waiting for someone to say it. <laughs> <laughs> like, anybody? <Yeah. laughs> um re- like reading a room or 
I would just ask, like, because I've really never performed in front of a predominantly black, black crowd. How is, mm. yeah, so, like, what is the different dynamics for you um, yeah. when you're reading a crowd? Do you have, like, an entire set different, like, co- joke book for, a, a, like, these kind of audiences? Yep. Or how does it work? Yeah, I wouldn't say they're different jokes. They're presented differently. Okay. Right? Because it's just, like, a cultural thing. There's things that, like, black people will get that white people just won't get no matter how funny it is. Mm-hmm. Right? If I if If I'm talking about like growing up with my big mama and her baking biscuits on Sunday and her having advice that makes no sense. Black people get that. Cause we all got an uncle that don't make no damn sense that everyone's like, yeah, I'm like, okay, you're good. But like, it's this, it's different for white people. The way black people cook is different than white people. And I actually have a joke about that. Cause my boyfriend's white and I grew up in the suburbs. So I grew up in like predominantly white culture, but like, I'm still very black. You know what I mean? Like my family's from the South, from the East coast, from, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So that's like in my roots. So I kind of like live in these two worlds and I talk about that. But sometimes if I'm in a, um, predominantly black room or like the audience Mm -hmm. is predominantly black, there's just things that culturally they'll get. And like, I can make fun of that. Like white people just will be like, I don't understand that. You know, and that's just what it is. And they look around like that, too. They're like, what? Uh." Yeah. (laughs) Starting to sweat maybe a little bit. Yeah. They're like, she's talking about black people. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, he did. Like, he started sweating. He was like, oh, my God. I thought we were going to make it this hour. And she wasn't going. I perked up a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Shut up. Ty's perked up like eight times in this podcast. Squirting. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me more. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And then for women in Minneapolis and you being a a black woman in Minneapolis, how is the comedy scene and how have you seen it kind of like transformed over the past few years? Yeah. So I want to say there's no more than five of us black women in comedy in the Twin Cities over like hundreds of people doing comedy. And Minneapolis has a really good comedy scene. Um, For me, I think it's helped. I think it's helped. I don't, you know, people talk about tokenism and it's awful. It is awful, but you know, it's kind of worked out for me, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) like, let's just call it, let's just be honest about it. Right. Because if people want diversity and I'm funny, it's not just like, Oh, like we got to have a black woman. Like I'm funny. Like I am. And it's okay for me to say that. Mm -hmm. Um, so let's see black woman. I'm funny. And I can, you know, most of the rooms that I do are predominantly white, white, like white people fucking love me. White girls are like, you're my friend. I'm like, follow me on Instagram, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> they be like, yeah, you my bitch. I'm like, yeah. You know, white girls fucking love me. <laughs> they do. Old white ladies love no me. Way. Yes. That's my fan base. Like people are like, oh, what's your fan base? White people. <laughs> <laughs> white people. I do sometimes it's crazy. This is gonna sound crazy, but sometimes I feel like I do better in white rooms than I do like predominantly in black rooms. Mm, really? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, and I you know, I've kind of like grappled with that a lot and I was like, Well, I'm just gonna keep doing all the comedy. Like it doesn't sure. I'm just like I I could go back and forth with myself and figure out why that is, but I just have to stay true to me and like the truth is is like I grew up predominantly in a white community. Like I you know, like most of my friends are white. Like it's just I've always grew up in the suburbs. That's just my experience and that's exactly who I am. And I'm not gonna be like, Well, I need to like change that because now I'm doing comedy and I should like represent something that mm. isn't maybe true to me and I'm like, This is who I am mm-hmm. yeah. and that's what it is. And that's interesting you said that because comedy right now, you've seen a kind of a trend where comedians need to take a stance they need to have these certain sides and then there's the majority of them are just like screw that 
why are you trying to put those social norms inside this industry mm-hmm. that is free spirited and you're supposed to walk into the room everyone's equal and we're just here to laugh right um so with all that like society pressure have you noticed the community being shifted at all or have you seen the co- comedians staying true to who they are not trying to be someone that they're not supposed to if that question that, makes sense yeah okay. i don't know if it did but i'm gonna talk and we'll see if it <laughs> goes along with that this is all podcast yeah. yeah um i think there's things that happen in the city that like especially on facebook because now i have a lot of like comedians on facebook so like for example when louis ck came mm-hmm. right it was a divide between the comedy community right and it was mostly like women and like people being like oh how dare acme hire louis ck and people were just like whatever and like his show sold out and people were protesting like like comedians were protesting and all this stuff and my philosophy on life is the last thing I'm ever gonna do is get in and get into it with somebody on Facebook like I stay out of it I mean look I might be like hey so I can like read the comments because I like the juice right I like the juice but I'm never that thirsty you know what I mean (laughs) you know what I'm saying so and I was just like and I told a couple people this. Um, I was like, it is so bizarre to me that we got 20-some people out there protesting Louis C.K. show. And there's a show on the other side of town that is for women, people of color, non-binary, trying to uplift these voices. And there's about 30 seats empty. Isn't that something? So while you're sitting over here protesting something that you have no control over, you're not supporting your city and the thing that you're protesting against. That made no sense to me. And I was on the show that night when people were protesting. That's why I'm saying this. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. I was at that show. And I'm like, why are people over here when they should be supporting this show? Yeah. Right? That didn't make sense to me. I, you know, I didn't really like take a stance because you got to remember, I came up in comedy when people were making rape jokes. You know what I mean? Like it was different back then. And like I said, my mom is very explicit. So I just, I have a different shield right Mm. i walk through this world with a different shield and i i i navigate the world with a different shield i don't have the ability to get so upset and like have that like keep me in my house i gotta keep working right like black people we've always been told we gotta work two or three times as hard i did my first year of comedy i did like 178 shows Hmm. in one year for you yeah you know because i wanted people to know i was serious and it paid off I don't know how many other people can say that they did that their first year, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not me bragging. It's just like that's that that was the drive I had and that I could have. Everything was in place for me. I had a good support system. My daughter was 14. I, You know, my career was very stable. I'm very in a comfortable, you know, I'm doing good now. Like it was, it worked out for me to be able to get on Hustle and Grind like that. But my point is that... To your question that I don't understand is that there is times where like comedy can feel divided, but for me, I just have to keep doing me and yeah. I don't know if that answered any. No, you question. did. And I asked it cause I've been like the recent comedy specials that I watched were Aziz, Dave Chappelle and Bill Burr. Dave Chappelle that I love Dave Chappelle. He is, 
he is really the epitome about you know what I'm doing the fuck what the fuck I want you know what I mean yeah, and like yeah, yeah. yes we can talk about these things there is comedy is supposed to be this release of really tragic things right it's supposed to be a joke about things that are hard to joke about that's why we have comedy right we don't have comedy to talk about rainbows and gummy bears that shit's already funny we don't need to make it any funnier we already like it let's say let's talk about some r kelly p jokes that's funny Mm -hmm. in a really smart way he did it in a smart way it was incredible it was incredible he went through minefields and every single thing like that is society to have like frowned upon right now he tried to make it open to comedians and show them to comedians yes and i love And the thing also that just aired um alec baldwin's roast and caitlin jenner was on there and i think it was just a great example of like we can just relax a little bit and have a good time i mean people were going i mean you know have you seen these roasts on comedy central justin bieber's yeah uh, i mean they went james franco on everybody right and when caitlin came up she really talked about like if as a transgender woman if i can stand here and you know be a good sport and i'm like that's what i'm talking about right everything doesn't have to be this or that right and i'm not saying that people hear something in it and it sparks something inside of them and it doesn't make them feel good then then it's comedy's not for you or like hearing that's not for you i respect that i get that but it's nice to see somebody from the community stand up and say it's okay we can make a joke it doesn't have to be that serious they just talked about my dick for 10 minutes and i'm okay i laughed and i gave the guy a standing ovation it's okay you know and everybody did it in like a respectful but yet they wasn't like okay well let's tiptoe around this because we don't want to no they were like kaylin you showed up here we go mm-hmm. yeah you know it's kind of like i mean to bring it full circle it's very similar to how you attack the sex education world right yeah like if you're up front and you kind of bring legitimacy to the situations i mean comedy is totally different route but right. just like uh, attacking in the sense of just being up front about it and the kind of the release you get from it yeah um in like from my perspective i i say a lot of stupid shit but when i'm like writing down like some serious stupid shit like i'll be like man i don't know if i'd ever say this in public but i'm like spending 30 minutes trying to figure out how to say this yeah like that alone is so like <clears throat> sorry so <laughs> are you going through puberty now? i'm going through puberty now dude <laughs> As we speak. It's so great um, to see. It's, I'm blossoming. <laughs> I really am. We're proud of you. Thanks, guys. Mustache is coming. It's yeah. Coming. Oh, you can see it from there. It's coming soon. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Coming 2020. Yeah, yeah 2020, mustache. dude. My, my mustache is coming in full form, and it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess what I was saying is, like, I never – It's. I love that comedy can bring that out of someone. Mm-hmm. And it's not just me that's bringing it out of. It's bringing out of all the other people in the room that are like, holy shit he just said that it's fucking hilarious like, yeah and that's what and like andrew was saying like bill burr Chappelle, when we went and saw joe rogan like these guys are intentionally trying to spin the wheel back to where it kind of was before because all yeah. these guys have been in the industry for 25 30 years i mean right. and they're legends right and right. they are kind of seeing like a not a downtrend but just like this trying to pad up comedy a little bit like yeah. hey it's a really really popular industry but Let's remember, we can say whatever the fuck we want. (laughs) Right, exactly, because there's... I just think it's so crazy. Like, Donald Trump is saying whatever he wants, but let a comedian say something, and people are just, like, in an uproar. Right. You know, it's like, we... it, Especially in... Now, 
and people are saying it and they're just being mean it's like that's not funny you know but if it's funny and thoughtful and well executed and what's the problem right but at the same time it's like you write these things down with I mean, the expectation that you're going to bomb one of these times. You're going to say this really vile joke and someone, and we're just going to be standing there looking at you. Yeah. And you got to power through those. Yeah. I think it's harder for a guy than it is for a girl, to be honest. Okay. I really do. I think I think the guys get it a little worse than the girls do. Yeah. I saw a guy, I won't say his name, but um, he told a rape joke like oh, oh like two, day, two weeks ago. And the mom in the front seat, like start swearing at him and shit i was like this is real life <laughs> this is real life yeah this is yeah. real life i was like Whoa. don't say that that's a terrible way to end it and he was just like i i'm 25 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm in my uh, mid-20s i just wrote this down yesterday <laughs> like oh, i'm sorry no. yeah yeah. yeah i mean yeah i uh, i mean i guess is we, there a line i don't know yeah, I, we stay away from that line yeah, yeah that's yeah, a line yeah, yeah. like i would never even come close to i don't think yeah. but there's I, you know, I don't know. I feel like for me, like anything that's like racist or like, but mm, like lighthearted racist. I don't want to say racist, but I think there's like cultural norms that are funny that people can talk about and it's not racist, right? Yeah. I do. I talk about the difference between white people and black people. That doesn't mean I'm like I'm racist. It just means like I've experienced these two experiences and the way white people do stuff doesn't make sense to me sometimes i'm like that is so bizarre mm-hmm. the way that nobody seasons mashed potatoes i went oh. to my boyfriend's mom's house she made mashed potatoes she's an amazing baker very accomplished baker well it's different it's baking i don't know but the mashed potatoes i looked at them they were so fucking white with like they just look like fluffy white not one granule of pepper nothing huh man it's very different mm-hmm. for me it's very different. They can't handle no spice. Yeah. You know, for me, I think it is very awesome that black people can make white names like 80 times cooler. Um, for example, there was this uh, U of M basketball player whose name was J apostrophe son. Yeah. Jason. But J apostrophe son is like 10 times cooler. That is my pet peeve. Reading like these kids in school. I'm sorry. You have no right putting any kind of punctuation in your kid's name at all. Stop it. Stop it. Your kid's going to try to get a job and he can't. Because someone's going to be like, oh, look at J apostrophe son. Uh, Next. (laughs) Stop it with the punctuation. I mean, the little, what is that thing called above letters? Oh, yeah. Like uh, a squiggly line. Yeah, like senor, like the end above that. Whatever. Like. That doesn't even do nothing. You just put it on their birth certificate because you want it to be fancy. Stop it. Is that how, how like, that's how competitive it works? Or that they just want to do that because... I don't know. <laughs> it's annoying. It is annoying. Because I get these class lists and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Craziest name you've seen. I couldn't even tell you. Ah, oh, dang. I couldn't even, I couldn't even... I think that I had this kid, his name was like Sean. It had some apostrophe in it. Treshawn King, that was his first name. Oh, wow. Treshawn King. Wow. Treshawn. King. 
instead of Sean, they put a Trey in front of no, no, it. No, no, Trey Sean King is the full first name. Oh, <laughs> yes, yeah. the King was the. F- I was like because I was just like, oh, what do you like to be called? He's like, just call me Trey. I was like, I get you, son. I get you. <laughs> like you already Short know. Yeah. yeah, you already know. In sixth grade, that's some bullshit. Oh I get- my goodness. Yeah. Well, uh, transition here to the uh, the back pocket core questions. Uh, um, we've been hammering you with a variety of questions, but yes. now we ask the ones that we ask every podcast. Fine. And the first one is an average quality. And this is something you do well at times, and other times not so well. At the end of the day, it's your average quality. So, Khadija, what is your average quality? Um, awareness. Also, mm. I also like to say emotional intelligence is my average quality. Okay. Sometimes I'm really good at it, and sometimes... Not so it can much. get you in some uh, sticky situations. Yeah, I th- I think like having self awareness and emotional intelligence is the best self care that someone can do for themselves because it really gets to the root of like why you're upset, excited, mad, uh, feeling betrayed, right? And sometimes emotions get in the way of figuring that out. Um, but I always try to like take a minute and really figure out like why am I so annoyed or irritated right because usually sometimes unfortunately it's not even about what that person did it's about something else with me and that puts the responsibility on me um and then it kind of helps that situation better so that's my average quality okay Hmm. social intelligence emotional or emotional not social emotional intelligence that's a very interesting way to put it I like Mm -hmm. that it's it it clicks in my brain yeah. at least because it's it's that constant practice of like looking inward and kind of evaluating your your set of hierarchies or your last couple of days mm-hmm. or your your really your feelings and I yeah I need to do that more of that myself yeah I, I love that you mentioned emotional intelligence too because your profession kind of embodies a lot of emotional intelligence and your mm-hmm. I'm guessing is your emotional intelligence is superior to most however yeah, probably yeah but I want to also say like it. I work in an industry where I get to have really intentional conversations. I work with people who are like a variety of like into all of this stuff. So I feel very lucky and blessed that I'm able to explore myself and these concepts. Mm -hmm. So it's not something I'm like, Hey, this is something I like to start. No, I'm very lucky to work in a field where I get to go to a training and like listen for an hour about emotional intelligence and being able to internalize that, not only use that for my young people that I work with, but for myself as well. So I just, you know, that's mm. not lost on me. My job has really helped me grow as a person. Mm-hmm. And there's always more stuff to learn. And that's what you're mentioning, which is really oh, cool. Yes. Mm-hmm. So on the flip side um, from the average quality is what's in your back pocket. So this is something when uh, pressure becomes stress, anxiety is rising. You're in a tough situation. What kind of quality do you rely on that's in your back pocket to help you come out on top? Practicing gratitude, 100%. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Why Why gratitude? Yeah, I think it's just a way to center yourself and being like, whatever is happening is not so bad, right? Um, and just like practicing mindful gratitude. It's not just me being like, thankful I woke up this morning, right? It's really like, you know what? How many things in my life don't suck right now? Like really making a list and writing it down like, this doesn't suck, this doesn't suck, this doesn't suck, like this doesn't suck. And like, that really like flips the mindset of like, oh my God, life is overwhelming. Like my life gets very overwhelming sometimes. I have a 15 year old daughter, I have a family, I work full time, I'm doing comedy and everything in between that I'm doing, coming to podcasts, amazing podcasts like this, you know what I mean? And sometimes I'm like, I can't handle it all. But then I'm like, okay, time to practice gratitude. What doesn't suck right now? How have I been in so control of my time management? And like, 
kind of celebrating yourself, which I don't feel like people get to do, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, having that moment with yourself to just practice gratitude, and there's, like, really specific ways we can do that depending on what's going on, that can really just help, like, get you right out of that. Absolutely. I love that. One question off that. What are you most thankful for right now? That my car is almost paid off. Hey. That's huge. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What kind of car do you have? Uh, 2014 Dodge Caravan. Hey. So sexy. <laughs> yeah, I bought it brand new. There was two miles on it. I feel very... I've, I've had a car payment my whole adult life. Mm-hmm. Damn. I'm like, what am I going to do? Yep, I'm paying off mine. I bought my a new car last year, so it's... Yep. You're on your way. I'm on my way. Yes. I think it's like seven years from now I'll yeah mine was off. a seven year load i'm like yeah. i had a conversation with my car like we are common law now we are in it for the long haul you we better hold up god damn yeah. it <laughs> you better not break down on me because you know people say that like once you pay your car off it just breaks down mm. it knows yeah. somehow yeah. yeah it's like and i'm done bitch yeah. See, i'm not working hard for you that's yeah. like my active debate in my head right now is um whether or not i should buy a new car right now i have a 2005 uh dodge stratosphere and this, th- I mean, this bad boy has been chugging for a year now. It, I've had to spend, I bought it for like 750 bucks and I've spent probably 600 or 700 on repairs for it. Mm. Now the tires are going out. The check engine light just came on again. And I'm like, do I spend money on tires? Do I like, it's kind of tough because now do I go and buy my, myself a nice decky Dodge Caravan? I don't know. I think so. You'd be surprised on. I went from a Cadillac to this caravan. Yeah. And I was like, no. Right? I like, had this cool Cadillac. And then mm-hmm. I went from this. Let me tell you. Mm. Totally worth it. Totally worth it. Yeah. I got yeah. a big ass Subaru Outback and I love it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I think a Subaru is going to be my next one. I just like. Ooh. Yeah. Let's go. I mm-hmm. don't know. They just feel like. I don't know how many black people drive Subarus, but I want one. <laughs> 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 then I just want to go to a state park and just see all the Subarus Subaru. together. <laughs> yep reunited go to denver yeah they're everywhere yeah it's, it's a state car <laughs> that's hilarious it should be at least yeah. but uh, practicing gratitude is a challenge and that's like some it's a breath of fresh air when you do things like a practice that mm-hmm. so i love that you shared that with our listeners and yeah, i think thank that's you. something mm-hmm. that they can take away for sure Good. um and moving with that uh the next question is a challenge question so we want to tap into more of khadijah and in the network that you can provide for the back pocket hopefully okay is there someone that you think you want to have on our show that we should go out and uh, try to see if they're interested as well yeah uh so i mentioned her earlier miss shannon paul i think she would be dope so she is a was a radio dj on b96 i don't know if y'all remember that station it was like the only like local hip-hop station in minneapolis okay and so now she works on the jason show um she's also an auctioneer um i know who i've met this woman before. yeah she's a comedian as well um and she's like a self-proclaimed nerd like she I don't know if she LARPs, but she definitely goes to, like, Comic-Con or whatever. Okay. I don't know. The she Renaissance like, Festival? Uh, More serious than that, I think. Really? Yeah, I think mm. she's going to, like, these conventions and, like, dressing up and, like, stuff. I don't know. She, like, is really big into Harry Potter. I don't know anything about it. I don't know. But she's really... And she's also a nerd. She's fascinating. She, she Shannon is, Paul. Yeah, Miss Shannon okay. Paul. Mm-hmm. All right. And she's in the Twin Cities? Yep. Sweet. Perfect. And she's still practicing comedy? Yep. She still does comedy. She does a lot of, like, corporate, and she does a lot of hostings. And so she's, like... She's like, up there. Yeah, she's, like, where I'm, like, climbing to be. She's, like, very inspirational. That's me. awesome. Yeah. Gotcha. 
Have you done a corporate gig yet? I haven't, but I have one coming up in November. Nice. Yeah, my first Congrats. one. Well, I got it from a nurse at my job. Like, she works at the U2, hey, so... Hey, yeah. that's, that's how you get all the gigs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so, I'll yeah. do 45 minutes there. I'm figuring it out. Whoa, 45? Yeah. My Congrats. first 45 is going to be a corporate gig. I don't... So. Wow. 45. Yep. That's impressive. What's that, the longest that you've done prior? Uh, A solid 27... 50 wow that is like so foreign to me right now that's insane (laughs) yeah Yeah. that is super cool congratulations thank you i'm trying to figure it out i don't know how it goes fucking cool man it's gonna be sweet (laughs) um do you have the next question andy uh no this is a time we'd like to offer you uh a chance to ask us questions yeah okay do you have any questions for us yeah i want to know what y'all's average quality is Ooh. Ooh. okay so we get to talk about our average qualities on uh on our Thursday show, every time. The back-end show. The back-end show. And we've been talking about average qualities now for... A long time. Yeah, it's been... Okay, a, I'll ask you no, a different question. No, but no, I no, love that you asked this because we have to think of a new one every day. And because there's... You have average qualities when... The, the most random shit we bring up is an average quality. And I'm tr- as I'm talking right now, I'm trying to think of one. You got one, Ty? An average quality of mine? Yeah, dude. I don't know. I would say, like, coming here and, like, being fully engaged in the conversation. Like, I've been, you know, on my phone a little bit. And, yeah. You, know, you have been Where's your rubber we've, band? Uh, we've noticed huh? that. Yeah, I've, I just forgot it today. I oh, have it. He carries a rubber band and he snaps it at himself? I do not snap it at myself. Yes, he does. I do, like... That's a... That's a good technique. Well, I yeah, just, like, so kind of play with it. Oh, you, play, keep, you don't snap stay, yourself? No. That's, oh. that's kind of, like, satanic. Like, that's weird. Oh. Okay. Okay. Satanic? Is that no, what you're I was going to go with, like, a sadist, but I think that's not even the right word. Okay. So We wouldn't have uh, quoted you on it. I think it is, but... Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, I got to do better at staying involved in the conversation. Sure. Yeah. The parts I have been listening to, great. The, okay, uh, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Todd. A real great compliment. You're the best, man. <laughs> kind of a backhand compliment. Um, oh, gosh. My average quality right now is probably um, deflecting my frustration on other people. Wow. That's a good one. Thanks. Yeah, because yeah, I've been getting, I've been receiving the. I uh, should have asked a better question. Can I ask you another question? Ask yeah. another question. Can I? Yeah. Okay. Um. So, because I'm a sex educator, I should ask this question first, but I didn't know. Oh, what would, <laughs> what would you say to your listeners is your best sex tip? Oh fuck. Uh, best sex tip? Yeah. Like in bed or just relationship. However you want to answer that. Mm. I like to leave it open because I don't want to pressure people to like. I'm sweating. (laughs) Oh, dude. Oh, my God. I think. I'll I'll spin it a little bit. I think he's he's going first because Decky's fertile. Mm. I've been fertile for years. You ready for a baby? No. Oh, (laughs) any female listening. Be ready. (laughs) Dial it in. <laughs> oh my god, y'all about to get so many more followers. They're into it. They're gonna look at you. I hope not. He's falling apart. I'm yeah. falling apart. I'm like right Your face scene. is red. Oh You're my stressed god. Up. All right, here we um, go. I should have started with that question. Yeah, this awesome. is a good question. Yeah, a sex tip, dude. Oh man. Were you gonna say something? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here it is. Like build build the comfortability right away. Like if you're like if you see a girl at a bar and you're like, I care about this woman. What? Go. I, that's how. That's how I describe it. Okay. She completes care. me. She completes me. Whatever. I can add this woman into my life. You, you have these thoughts. Okay. Build comfortability right away. So when I mean it's easy as a podcaster because like that's our job is like whoever's in the room 
make sure they're comfortable so they feel comfortable talking about some themselves and everything else. Sure. So building the comfortability, not only like in the initial stages throughout a conversation, if you do your job and she comes home with you or whatever, dude, right when you get home, you always offer like a glass of water. You always offer her like clothes, you know, all the things. You're just talking about having manners. These are all things that lead to great sex. That's all I'm okay. saying. Yeah. Cause like, uh, imagine, imagine a girl coming in this house right now. You just came it. in this house. Yeah. You're like, Jesus Christ, this is a college house. This is a, this is a glorified fraternity. Yeah, but it's clean. It but is. But it's clean. I'm, mm. Listen, I'm 37. It's been a long time since I walked into a house like this. So, I, like, you know, we're like roommates and got, you know, all my friends. We got kids and, yep. yeah, you know, yeah. we see like nookies and toys everywhere. It's fucking Messes. mess. Yeah. So this was, like, y'all's house is very clean. Thank okay. You. They have a clean house. Good. So I'd say comfortability in general. Just be like a good hostess. I, I mean, think that's I think that's really important, being a good hostess. Because think about the risk, like, not the risk, but the implications of, like, a girl, like, coming home with you, especially when it's, like, we're 23, 24 now. It's not college where everybody lives in the dorms and we all just, like, bum rush, bum rush the dive bar and then now we're all coming back. Like, yeah. that's why it was, like, never, it never even crossed my mind then. But now... When you're going to North Loop and you got like a hodgepodge of people from all over the place, you never know what you're getting yourself into. Right. So, so you're saying your best sex tip is be a gentleman. Yeah. There's nothing lost on being a gentleman. No. I Chivalry's not lost with Decky. I, I love it. Good for you, Deck. What do you got, Andy? I'm right. so excited for I've this answer. I've gotten a couple of seconds here to think about it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with ask what they're into. Is that that's a that's I think yeah. that's a good practice. Yeah. I, I didn't know that was gonna be too much too uh, chivalry and chivalrous chivalrous. No, uh, but I think that's uh, if that's your answer, that's a great answer. Sweet, I'm going with that. Yeah. Ty, what do you got? Yeah, I would say um, <laughs> deep <laughs> breath. He's yeah. sweating. Yeah. Too. I am. I'm, it's hot in here, and I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> so much going on right now. I didn't expect to get. I had to. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um. No, I would say so. I'm in college, and I feel like I am in situations a lot, like whether it's at like a house party or something like that. Especially in college, I think it's actually kind of a problem of like guys being like way too forward with girls. Oh yeah. And like not, you know, like just kind of getting like touchy or grabby, and it's like, dude, like you're not reading the signs of like what she's into. Yeah. I think my my biggest thing would just be like be really cognizant of like if somebody's just giving you like bad body language or something like that like yeah. pick up on that and don't don't be like oh like i just have to try again like if like one sign like one right. negative sign like get out and yeah. if like if she's into you then maybe she'll like she'll pursue it right. but like let that be her decision and, so what and i don't... hear you saying is people need to be okay with rejection yeah for sure yeah. and oh, i think yeah. it's like a machismo thing or something where sure. dudes are like they don't want to be rejected or yeah. they're just like no like she like i just gotta like try again and nothing like, wrong with being rejected people should yeah. be good with that Perfect. Wow. Good answer. I Ty. think that was definitely the challenge, most challenging question we've ever gotten on this podcast. Yes, that was that was awesome. That Thank was you. Mm-hmm. You did it. Thanks. Ty, yes, uh, Ty. I'm proud of you for responding after a, a shaky, 20, a shaky start. Yeah, ten <laughs> minutes ago I was questioning your. Uh, it's just been a, it's been quite the podcast. Okay. <laughs> Sweet. Well, this brings us to our final question. Absolutely. Um, a simple question: What did you learn today from the moment that you woke up to when we're having this conversation? So I don't know if I necessarily learned it, but I was definitely very reminded of it today that I can only control my own behavior, thoughts and actions. I can't control or assume somebody else's. Right. I think sometimes we run through life 
and I'm like, I expect you to act this way. And like, if you don't act this way, then it affects me. Mm-hmm. And once you stop that, then it's like, whoa, like that's your stuff that doesn't have anything to do with me and that doesn't belong to me. Like I can only control myself and the way I react to that and how I react to that could like really make me have a bad day or make me have a good day. So I was really reminded of that today. Like I can only control myself and that's all I can do. Did we bring that out of you? Nope. I was going to say, I was like, yeah, I didn't didn't know our actions were so bad. Nope. That was something at 630 this morning that I learned. Oof. All right. (laughs) You have been, you have been a phenomenal guest. I just want to say. This was amazing. So thank you for coming on the back pocket. Thanks for having me. Well, I've been hanging on the West Coast in my heart. Where I meant to from the start It's so much warmer than the secrets you've been holding in And don't you look at me sideways with those eyes Coast in my heart, right where I meant to from the start. It's so much warmer than the secrets you've been holding in. And don't you look at me sideways with those eyes.